What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Walking with the King podcast. I'm your host, Teresa King, and welcome to another episode. It is it is time. It's been time. I've just been prologuing it. Um, if those for those of y'all who have been in CR on my CR, um, I did share this recently. And it's different sharing it from your to it, it, it it's different. <laughs> I'm see, I'm so nervous. I'm like stuttering. Um, it's different sharing it to your CR family compared to sharing it to the whole globe. Um, this is like my fourth time recording it because I'm at a point where I'm just kind of like all over the place. And I'm leaving this here unedited, raw, because I want you to hear it on how God is going to move. Now, I'm not saying that this testimony is all on me, because clearly that is not what a testimony is about. It is to show the beauty of God and how amazing he is. If this if y'all haven't figured it out by the title and this little intro, I'm going to be sharing you my testimony and, um, it's very scripted. And the reason why is because I'm going to be reading my celebrate recovery testimony and celebrate recovery. We have like a rubric, I would say on how to, write your testimony basically i've been writing it since the beginning of january and it's been done for almost two months now i shared my testimony to my celebrate recovery family on single de mayo so it has been a while since i've read it but (laughs) i don't know why like i'm just like i don't know i'm nervous but i think it's a good nervous um, it is very scripted. Like I said, if it sounds like I'm reading it is because I really am reading it from my computer. Um, but also keep in mind, I do talk a lot about my abuse that I went through a lot of sexual abuse. So if you are, e- are easily triggered, fair warning, this is a trigger warning. It may trigger you. Um, and again, like I did get it approved by like our recovery directors. So it is worded in different ways to help people not get triggered. However, it, it does still have some triggering topics. Um, yeah, like I'm saying, like this is going to be raw unedited just because like, I don't know. It's time. The time's been here. And then I have been procrastinated. I've been I've been I've, I can't even talk. I've been procrastinating it for a while. So I guess I should just start then, right? <laughs> okay, guys. Buckle up. So, I grew up in a small town in a Pentecostal home with strict and religious parents. And for the first nine years of my life, I was the only child. Growing up, I was a Christian. I didn't talk the way the other kids talked. 
I didn't know the things that other kids my age knew. I was very sheltered and an easy target for kids to bully. I was always tall and I was always chubby. And to top it all off, I was a Christian. I didn't have friends and I usually ate lunch alone. This was normal until middle school. Moving forward, I grew into my body. Thank you, puberty. (laughs) I got many guys' attention in high school and I started going to church and on Sunday school and even attended many youth group gatherings. I was 16 years old when I met this guy. He was a freshman and I was a junior. We ended up hanging out after marching band and eventually became a couple. A few months later, we were watching a movie at his house with his mother until someone came banging on the door. When his mother opened it, a lady came screaming at her to leave her man alone. It got violent and almost physical until my then boyfriend broke them apart and threatened to call the police. When the lady left, I was asked to leave. He was never the same after that. He started smoking a lot of weed, which he introduced me to it. Red flag number one. My relationship with God was always there, and at this time, I couldn't feel him anymore. I had many moments when I felt his presence at summer camp, but I returned to my old ways. In this relationship, my ex started acting weird. He made a few rules. Rule number one, I couldn't talk to guys even if they were my friends. Red flag. Rule number two, I couldn't hang out with my friends unless I told them where we were going or if he was with me. Red flag. Rule number three. If I was going to a guy's house without him, I was a cheater, even though I was going with a group of friends. Red flag. Rule number four. I wasn't allowed to smoke weed without him. If I was, it would cause me to cheat on him. Red flag. Rule number five. I wasn't allowed to wear any makeup or dress up for school. If I did, it meant I was dressing up for other guys, which meant I would cheat on him. But... When I didn't dress up or look presentable, I looked ugly and he was embarrassed to be with me. How many red flags were there? (laughs) I lost count. It didn't take long until this turned physical and verbal abuse, calling me every single cuss word you could possibly think of. And he got creative with more. Soon after that, he became sexually abusive towards me. It didn't matter what time or day it was. When he wanted it, I had to give it to him, even if he had to force his way for it. Many friends did leave. Many friends didn't understand what I was going through. Many friends saw what was happening but didn't know how to handle it. Many of them called me stupid because I didn't break up with him. They didn't understand. I was trapped. I was afraid of what he could do to me or to himself. This happened for two years until I graduated high school. I felt free. I felt like I could breathe. I ended up moving towns for school and I got a cute apartment with one of my friends who never left my side in high school. The apartment only had six units off of the ocean drive with a massive yard with a cliff that overlooked the ocean. I'm not bragging. This is important. I met a lot of friendly people both at school and at work who also smoked weed. Yes, I did continue my long distance relationship, but tried my best to keep our distance. One day I had an 8 a.m. shift after partying all night. I looked completely dead that day. I had no makeup on, wore a hoodie and yoga pants, and honestly, I didn't even shower. When I was taking my lunch, I was laying down my head on the table trying to take a nap when my coworker came in. We discussed the shift and things, and then I realized he was rubbing my leg. I checked the time clock to see how much time I had left to clock in. 
two minutes. Okay. I could go to my locker, grab my badge and my walkie, and by the time I'm done, I could clock in. When I got to the locker, I felt him press against me. He turned me around and pulled my shirt down to expose me. It didn't stop when I told him to stop. Someone walked in on the other side of the room and he let me go. I quickly grabbed my stuff as quickly as possible, and before I could leave, he stopped me in my path and said that didn't happen. I was lost for words. I continued my shift, but when I got home, my roommate heard it all. It took only four days for me to tell my mom and five days until I told my ex. His response? I can't believe you cheated on me. A few days later, I was smoking with a bunch of my friends until my ex decided to make a surprise visit. Remember that rule where I couldn't smoke without him? Yeah, I got in trouble. He hit me in front of my friends and dragged me to my bedroom and yelled at me. I remember my friends yelling at me, but nothing after that. He choked me until I blacked out. I woke up with my friends crying and asking me if I was okay. All I could remember asking was, where is he? They said he jumped. I ran outside and I found him on the bottom of the, of the cliff. He survived with only a scraped knee. The police were already there and arrested him to harm himself and others. This was the last time I saw him. A couple of weeks later, I was throwing the party at a friend's house, and his older brother was there. Everyone knew I had broken up with my ex, but only a few actually know what happened. My friend's brother kept giving me shot after shot, hit after hit. I blacked out. I woke up at home with my friend asking me if I was okay since she found me crying the night before. I responded, yeah. My friend got upset because I slept with his brother that Monday, but I didn't, right? Everyone approached me asking me if it was true. How could I give consent if I was blacked out? Even his brother was bragging about it. Then I put it all together. All in one month, I had been sexually assaulted, raped, and almost killed by my boyfriend, all at the age of 19 years old. I felt so far from God. I started abusing pills, smoking a ton of weed, and started dating a bunch of guys I should have never dated. I dropped out of college, and honestly, I did not had no respect for my body. I went to a secluded beach, and I thought it would be better if I was just dead. If I threw myself into the ocean, no one would find me. As I was about to jump, God showed me a glimpse of my little brother, who was 10 years old at the time. I didn't jump. I didn't want my brother to ask why his sister committed suicide. I thank God daily for giving me a chance and reminding me that I matter. God knew exactly what I needed to not go through this attempt. Then, a year or so later, I met my husband, Robert, who was also in the middle of his addiction. And little did I know that this was just the beginning. Our relationship was so toxic, like to be fully real with you. We moved in together before we got married, which is another testimony on its own. We would fight and get jealous over little things, verbally and emotionally abusive towards each other, and had a toxic roommate who made it all worse. We decided that we needed to move cities if we wanted to work out. When we moved to San Antonio, we were still partying like always, but a part of me felt different. I would respond to certain things differently than other people. I kept getting migraines and mood swings more often than most. I would get very abrupt with something that didn't even make sense. I went to the doctor and he diagnosed me with bipolar disorder too. For those of y'all who have not met my husband, 
he shares that he is bipolar one. My disorder is different. I have more depressive symptoms. I know what you're thinking. These two people are married with bipolar disorder. How? It was difficult. I'm not going to lie. But we didn't give up on each other. We knew we were called to more than just the drinking and the drugs. About two years after the diagnosis, we started trying for children. We kept trying and going to the doctor, but after a year, I felt hopeless. I felt worthless. I didn't know it then, but I was battling a spiritual warfare. During the one-year mark of infertility, I was fighting with God about whether or not I was good enough to be a mother. I thought he was punishing me for all the sexual abuse and trauma that I went through. And for a while, I thought I deserved it. In March 2021, I came home to my husband around midnight, passed out with an empty bottle of vodka in the trash. I went to bed with him already passed out. Around 3 a.m., I heard Robert choking. I saw him puking, but he was laying down on his back. I pushed him with everything I had on to his side to prevent him from choking. After putting him on the side, I was so mad at him. I was yelling at him, begging him to wake up. I was tired of him doing this to himself. I went to the living room and got on my knees and I cried out to God. What am I doing wrong for you not to love me? I can't live like this anymore. My husband can't live like this anymore. I can't tell him what to do. You must, he must be able to do it himself. He needs you. I need you. Am I not good enough for you? Is this why I can't have a child? Why God? Then I heard the Lord tell me, how can I bless you with a child when you are not acting like mine? Come back to me and everything will be okay. Around 6 a.m., Robert woke me up from the couch and told me, I can't live like this anymore. I want to get sober. On that day, on March 29, 2021, Robert and I got sober, surrendered our life to God, and have been sober for two years now. I'm still battling with infertility, and it's been three years. Going to get personal with y'all, but I was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome, or PCOS, at the age of 12. This was causing me to be infertile. And since we were starting to I, I did not have a period. I thought my body was broken. Living this new life with God, I saw joy and beauty, but the infertility broke me. All I wanted was to be a mother. In June 2022, I volunteered at CBC Student Ministry Impact at their summer camp. And boy, did I need it. More than the kids. God spoke to me saying that you're going to be a leader in this church. I responded, how, when, what do I need to do? He told me, don't worry about it. I'll take care of everything. But when the time comes, just say yes. That next month, July 2022, my husband and I, along with many people as Celebrate Recovery, went to Celebrate Recovery Summit in Dallas, Texas. At the end of the summit, we were asked to nail something to the cross that was keeping us from God. Yeah, I nailed down my infertility. It's officially in God's court. It's been three years since this infertility battle, but I know God is fighting every single battle for me. I'm now going to school to work towards a bachelor's degree in public relations with a minor in journalism. I also landed a job as the editor-in-chief for Lakefront Media. For those of y'all who don't know about journalism publications, I'm the big boss now. 
Even though I struggle to be the only Christian in the office, I am blessed with the opportunity that God has put me in. I'm known as a Jesus lover at work, and I'm often made fun of for it. But it always helps me to remember about John 15, 18. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me first. My husband has been coming to celebrate recovery for eight months while I was in night class. At the beginning, I thought it was only for someone who was an addict. At the time, I was in denial to believe that I had a problem with weed or alcohol. I probably didn't at the time in my life, but there was a time that I used it to cope with the pain that I had experienced from my abuse. On the first day in spawn group, I immediately shared, and it felt amazing. It encouraged me to finally tell my mother about my rape six years later. I've learned a lot from Celebrate Recovery. I know that there are many other women who are going through the exact same thing that I'm going through, witness the things that I have, and have similar scars to the one I already have. Celebrate Recovery has helped me in my marriage. I've learned that it is okay to open up wounds that have never properly healed. I have been so hurt by sex when God intended sex to be a sacred act between a man and his wife. I couldn't give everything to my husband because so much had been taken away from me. With my infertility, I felt for the longest time that it was my fault for not being able to conceive. I thought it was because of the long list of sexual immorality I had experienced in my teenage years. It isn't. The devil has placed so many lies in my head to convince me that I am not worthy enough for my husband or God. These past three years of trying to get pregnant have been significantly affected my mental health spiritual health and my marriage however i learned that my abuse does not define me my sins do not define me my worth is not in my sin but at the one who has washed me clean second corinthians five seventeen says therefore if anyone in christ is a new creation the old is gone the new is here for this is true i am no longer the person i used to be because i am now clean in the eyes of god Hearing the other women in my group saying that it isn't their fault, but the enemy that has put us in this situation. 2 Corinthians 2, 10-11 says, Anyone you forgive, I forgive also. And what I have forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I will forgive in the eyes of Christ, for your sake, in order for that Satan may not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. After six years of being chained to my abusers, I can finally say that I have forgiven them and I have prayed every single day that they will once find the same salvation that I have if they haven't already. Remember God called me into leadership? Well, I am now a facilitator for the landing. I help lead the middle school girls in the group and I'm in rotation for the teaching the lessons. I'm not going to lie. It's tough. I have good days, but I also have a lot of bad days. But to be honest, I am one of six facilitators that we have in the landing. But it's even more of a reminder why God has called me to be in the landing. I have been doing this since December and I have been tested so many times since then. One main thing is that I am too young to be a leader. I'm 27 years old. I'm the youngest facilitator in Celebrate Recovery and the landing. I'm the youngest in my wise counsel class which is a class that you take to become a facilitator. I may be even the youngest person in Karen support. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I am in fact one of the youngest. The devil has used this so many times against me, especially since I look younger than I look. 
these girls see me as another teenager and freak out when they find out that Robert is actually my husband. I've learned that the lies that the devil has told me are the main reason why God has called me. I am young, but I could talk to these girls. I am young, but I could teach these teachings in their language. I am young, but God has strengthened me this way. God has also called me to start a podcast, which is called Walking with the King Podcast with Teresa King. Here, I talk about life situations while walking with King Jesus. Some of y'all have been on my podcast or are about to be on my podcast, and I thank y'all so much for being vulnerable with me. But to be honest, I couldn't do this podcast if it wasn't for Celebrate Recovery. Being able to share here has helped me communicate with the public. God has used this podcast in so many different ways. So far, six people have personally messaged me telling me that God has used my podcast to talk to them. That's all I've ever wanted and all the glory goes to God. As for the journey of being parents, Robert and I have been praying about this for so many years. And for those of y'all who know us personally, y'all know that we have been on a very long road. Robert and I have signed on with a Christian foster agency and will be placed with a child extremely soon. The devil has told me so many times that I was not good enough to be a mother, but God said that I am a mother to many children without a mother. In Genesis 2 verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for Robert. I am so blessed to be Robert's wife. I pray for him every single day, at least 20 times. <laughs> but being a wife to an alcoholic has been challenging, but God has made him a new man. I told Robert, I love you so much when I first met you during the middle of your addiction, and I love the God-fearing man you are today even more. I thank him daily for his patience with me, even though it's almost done. <laughs> I'm kidding. But it does take a particular person to be in a loving marriage with an abuse survivor. Many days I cry in his arms from a wound that I have reopened, but he has been by my side every single day in my recovery. God has blessed me with the best man I could ever ask for in my husband. I've learned that the lie that the devil tells you is the exact opposite of what God has planned for you. My age and my journey to motherhood are perfect examples. Recently, I was asked by a student in the landing why I call myself an overcomer of abuse rather than a survivor. My answer is this. The enemy intended my abuse to kill me, destroy me, and he lied to me about my infertility was from God because of everything that I went through. It was a punishment. The enemy intended my abuse for evil, but Jesus turned it around for his good. Because of that, I am an overcomer. That is what an overcomer means to me. For those of y'all who are starting their walk with King Jesus, keep pushing forward. God will move and change you if you believe in Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day and is living today in heaven. My testimony is proof that Jesus is real. John 5, 31-32, Jesus says, If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testified about me, and I know the testimony he testified about me is true. And one day, 
Yours will be too. Thank you for listening. Yeah.